Welcome to Cinema Therapy, an experimental podcast about thought, feelings, history, gender, sex, power, money, culture, and humanity, told through the lens of divisive films on this side of the millennium. My name is Jacob Foltz, and I am your mediator as we talk about these divisive films. This is a different kind of podcast. It's not about film reviews, it's not about critiquing, it's not about my opinion of these films, which I may slip on that occasionally. The point of this podcast is to get you, the listener, to think deeper. Think about divisive films that might piss you off, irritate you, bore you, and we're going to talk about why. My goal here is to make you a better film watcher and get you interested in films that push boundaries, because films that push boundaries give us a better understanding of us, how we're socialized, how we feel, and really this greater question about narrative, art, politics, economics, and as I said before, humanity. This is not a typical session of cinema therapy. This is a prologue. It's short and different. The goal here is to set you up for the show. A little bit about me. I'm a filmmaker in the greater Seattle area. I have my Bachelor of Arts in Creative Writing, with an emphasis on writing for the stage and screen. I also received a minor in Film Studies, which is where this podcast really originates from. You see, I'm taking my favorite aspects of Film Studies and dropping it into a short little podcast. Much of the design of the show is attributed to Tony Pritchard, who is a professor at the university I attended, Western Washington University. Tony's classes revolved around conversations that provided me with the tools of thinking deep. And one of Tony's favorite things was lingering in silence. He always said that the best part of a conversation is the thought that comes before the conversation, when your brain is processing thought and ideas. Here's an example, looking at a comparison between the monster film Godzilla and King Kong. The original King Kong is about a group of Americans who travel to a jungle, take a giant gorilla, and put him on display in front of a group of debauched New Yorkers, where Kong dies confused and fighting for his life. Godzilla originated in 1954, which is the same year of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and the Lucky Dragon 5 incident where a Japanese tuna fishing boat crew of 23 was contaminated by nuclear fallout of an American nuclear bomb test. Many say that Godzilla was conceived as a metaphor for the atomic bomb. With this greater context, you can understand the feelings of Japanese people who were impacted by the atomic bomb hitting their homeland. Godzilla is a representation of that, and Godzilla was also created by the negligence of Americans. So we have Americans bringing King Kong home and killing King Kong, and we have Americans being negligent. Tony would just let that sit. Then he'd bust out the big guns. Both creatures are personified. Godzilla is vaguely humanoid and is simply trying to survive in a world that he doesn't belong, being a creature birthed from science and technology. Kong was dragged from his world and is simply trying to survive in a city that he doesn't understand. 
What's the biggest difference between the personification of King Kong and Godzilla? Kong reaches for the blonde woman. Then we dive into a variety of topics. We could talk about the anti-colonialism allegory, where King Kong is a proud warrior of Skull Island and is stolen from his homeland and brought across the ocean in shackles by the proud white Americans looking to make a buck. We could dive deeper into how King Kong is an allegory for the slave trade, which is a, a, a common thing that people talk about. King Kong is put on display in the same way slaves were when they were auctioned off, not to mention the emergence of scientific racism, which was relevant in 1933 when King Kong came out, where the people of African descent were commonly visually represented as ape-like. Many scholars calling it a cautionary tale about interracial marriage. I think that's a little bleak, but that's what some people like to say. Although the director Marion C. Cooper despises this theory, because for him the process of making the movie came from an entirely different place. And get this, he wanted to make a movie about an ape fighting a Komodo dragon. Then after working on a stop motion picture, Cooper had the idea, what if we had a gorilla fighting dinosaurs? That would be cool to see. And the thing is, is at that time, people didn't really know that much about gorillas. Gorillas were thought to be 12 feet tall, and there were myths about gorillas stealing women and running off into the jungle. So. You know, that could be where the grabbing of the blonde woman comes from, and the fact that she's blonde might just have to do with the fact that it contrasts well behind the gorilla. Some believe that King Kong was influenced, or at least greenlit, because of a previous film called Ngagi, which was a widely successful 1930s racial exploitation film that claims to be a documentary about an exposition to the Congo that depicts a tribe of gorilla-worshipping women who have a ritual in which African women are given to gorillas as sex slaves. However, this is not a documentary. It was filmed in Los Angeles with white actors and blackface. The film has nudity and suggestions of gorilla sex. Ngagi made $4 million, which was extraordinary at the time. Gorillas plus women plus sex equals profit. So of course, King Kong will work. What I'm getting at here is a fake documentary and exploitation film about gorillas having sex with women could be the reason why King Kong exists today. The films we're going to be talking about on this show may be challenging. If you choose to watch along, which you don't have to, you may only want to be able to sit through these films once. But they're worth watching because they're worth talking about, and they're worth talking about because they're worth watching. The most important word of this show is divisive, which is defined as tending to cause disagreement or hostility between people. What's required in this word is a conversation. So these films we'll be talking about on Cinema Therapy will be films that people argue about. We'll be talking about why people argue about them. Then we'll transcend the argument to land the film within a certain context. 
The important thing here is that there's not one definite answer when it comes to these films, which is why it's worth at least a conversation. Very last thing I want to talk about is the title of this episode, The Bet. The bet is that if you've seen one of these films already and you didn't like it, then after listening to this podcast, you decided that you changed your mind and you now like it. If that happens to you, I want you to buy me a coffee. There's a link in the show notes and at cinematherapypodcast.com that says buy me a coffee. I want you to click on that and donate a coffee straight to the show. Which honestly, this is a money losing show and is more about my need to share films with you. If I can convince at least one hater that the film they watched is actually awesome, then I'll consider this a successful podcast. If you'd like to help this podcast, there are a few things you can do. If it's 2018, the most helpful thing is to rate and review this podcast on Apple's podcast app or Google's Play app. It's critical to get rating and reviews right off the bat in order to succeed in making a successful show. So that's it. That's all you need to know going into cinema therapy. Thanks for listening to the prologue episode. Thanks to Curtis Skinner for the original score. Thanks to Kim Bala for the great logo art. And without further ado, I present to you Cinema Therapy. <laughs>